And still live from the nation's capital. Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, Nick Ashew. I had to adjust my headphones, man. That thing got loud. I don't yeah, know what I did. I don't know. It was like weird. All of a sudden, I'm in my ear. I'm like, why is my ear bleeding right now? I don't know. What's going on? Jalen Brunson is putting on a show for the Knicks tonight. I, he has 36 points. The next, the only other player to score in double figures for up until about a minute ago was Emmanuel Quickly with 10. Mitchell Robinson just got 10 points. Now it's 86-83, the Knicks over the Cavs. This is a really important game for the Knicks because you're trying to chip away at that lead that Cleveland's got for the four seed. And it's also just kind of a confidence game, a statement game to go win in Cleveland when you're now a playoff team and people are actually taking you seriously. I, Tristan and I were talking about this during the break. Like what, what the Knicks have done with all of this young talent and, and not gutting the roster for somebody like Donovan Mitchell, who I would have loved to see them trade for. I, I really would. But... This team is built organically, and they've really done a good job with guys like Quentin Grimes. They may not be household names, but the guys put up 20 points in three of his last four games. They, they've got a really they've got a roster with a lot of potential. As long as they don't lose by five, they're cool in my book. Well, yeah, what'd you get them at? So <laughs> four and a half. Four and a half. Four and yeah. a half. Even without uh, Julius Randle, I just thought that this was a bigger game for New York. I mean, Cleveland already knows pretty much where they're going to be in the playoffs. I think they're fine. I think at best they win a playoff series. Mm-hmm. They're not going to the finals. These the two Eastern teams Conference are sort of fighting year. for 4-5, though, home court vantage. Yep. Yeah, but I just I, I think this game means more to the Knicks, to be Probably. honest with you. Probably. Although, I don't know. Cleveland played everybody. so. I mean, listen, Cleveland doesn't have the, the playoff pedigree either. They're four games up on the Knicks for the four spot, though. It's like it's a, it's going to be tough for the Knicks to get there. Yeah. So I, I think that we're probably have the one. We have, I think we kind of have the East, at least the top five generally set. The Knicks really have to focus more on not letting the Heat or the uh, the Nets catch up to them. I might like the Knicks more than I like Cleveland as a yes. playoff team. If that yes. was a first-round matchup, Is that, is that you... a hot take? No. No, I don't think so. The it, only thing that I would even say... Even with Donovan Mitchell. The only thing that I would say is I trust Donovan Mitchell in a late-game scenario yes. more than I trust... Yes. I just think... I love Jalen Brunson. You guys yeah. know that. I'm, a, I'm the probably the queen of his fan club. I just think Donovan Mitchell is one of the most elite end-of-game scorers. Yes, I agree. Um, and he can score on all three levels. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brunson's more of a mid-range scorer. He uses yeah. his body a lot. Donovan yeah. Mitchell can pull up from three. Mm-hmm. He can drive in, uh, you know, create contact, get to the line. We saw that a lot. Yeah. He's more of a closer. Yeah, he really is. You do need that in the playoffs. And that's the one thing I think the Knicks are really lacking, which is why they wanted Donovan Mitchell, is that go-to 25-point-a-game score, not Julius Randle. I know Randle's having a great year scoring, too, but like he's not... We've watched him try to create his own shot off the dribble, and it's not its not good. Especially right. the last time they were in the playoffs, he completely faded, disappeared. When Jalen Brunson's out of the lineup for the Knicks, their offense completely sputters. It's a lot of iso ball. Yeah. It's a lot of guys standing around dribbling too much. It's just not what they have right now. So that shows how important Jalen Brunson is to this team. But that is the one advantage Cleveland would have because there's a good chance this is the first-round matchup. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, speaking of Donovan oh Mitchell, that up and under was just so That's pretty. That's ridiculous. He's so good. He's and re- it's funny having an MVP season, but not going to win MVP. Not even close. Did you have a dream about him winning MVP or no? No, no. no okay, no. good. Just making sure because otherwise I'd bet that. No, they're actually on my do not touch list. The Cavs are. Yeah, same. The Knicks have done really well for me this year. Yeah. Actually, the Cavs have not. Quentin Grimes hitting a three. Ca- anytime I bet the Cavs, they they no show. So, and, and that's not the only reason I'm out on them. I like Donovan Mitchell, but like we did this in Utah, man. 
That year where everybody fell in love with Utah, we thought there was a chance. We were talking about all their starters were going to make the all-star team, and Jordan Clarkson was coming off the bench and hitting 40% of his threes, and Rudy Gobert was the best rim protector. Quinn Snyder is a top-five coach. They're not getting enough respect just because they're in Utah, and then what happened? They flamed out the second half of the season. They got bounced in the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell, I don't know. There's just something missing for me. He's great. Don't get me wrong. and He's a hell of a closer. I just feel like there's certain guys that I just I really don't trust in the playoffs. Once we get into the deeper rounds, because there's like for me, there's like the tier one for everybody. There's like the tier one and Donovan Mitchell's still tier two for me. He's not Giannis, Kawhi. I might even put I mean, I know there's like the pandemic P and like Paul George didn't want to play basketball, like locked in Disney World for four months during a global pandemic and be away from his family. But I trust him in the playoffs. I think Paul George is really awesome when so, he's healthy. Here's what I will right. say about Donovan Mitchell, because I, I understand what you're coming from in terms of the letdowns from that Jazz team over the years, but he's played really well in the playoffs. 28 points a game, 5 rebounds, almost 5 assists, and 39 playoff games. He averaged 36 points a game in the 2019-2020 playoffs. Th- 32 uh, in 2021. I mean, like he's put up big numbers and shot well, too. So he... I don't know if he was the problem there for that Utah team. Donovan Mitchell, no. Yeah, I don't think like, he was the problem, the but he was the, he was the best player on the team. The issue for Utah was that they didn't have good perimeter defense. Mm-hmm. And outside of Rudy Gobert, they didn't have really elite rebounders. You know, you had Royce O'Neal there who was undersized. You had an older, you know, an aging, injury-prone Joe Ingles. You had Boyan, who was also had some issues. Yep. Neither one of those guys could play a lick of defense on the perimeter. And and then you've got, like, a Mike Conley, who's sort of there as a backup, but he and Donovan Mitchell played at the same time down, down the cl- clutch. And obviously Rudy Gobert, not one of the best uh, defenders on the perimeter either. Yeah, really good yeah. inside, but gets killed on switches, gets killed on pick and rolls. So really, to me, it was defense. They were a historically good offense, and then they wanted Donovan Mitchell to do everything and then kick out to the shooters. Yeah. Then you end up facing somebody like the Warriors where they can do everything. Yep. Right. So. And that's kind of what I go with when I talk about teams that are top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency. 32 teams since 1981 that have won the title were top 10 in both. Yeah. So, like, you really, again, it's we're talking about good team. teams that can do both. It's a balanced team. It's not like it's something crazy, but it really does give you an idea when you look at certain teams and go, can they win or can they not? Are they good on both ends of the court? It, it really matters. You have to be, like, we joke a lot about playing defense in the NBA. That's the regular season. It's not the same in the playoffs. It's very, very different. You had to play defense in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah and and it's a half-court game, too, and some teams are just really not set up for half-court offense. Yep. Yeah, it slows down a lot. It's officiated differently. It's more physical. Everything changes. So I can't wait. What are we, like six games away for the most part? Yep, six. Not yeah, soon I'm, enough. I know. Opinion. I'm with you. Like, look, I love the NBA. I know Trista loves Like, we all ready for the playoffs. Like, let's be honest. I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Let's but go. you can't shorten the season because you just can't have fewer games. You're going to lose money. How do you make yeah. up that money? And then you also got to think, we, t- we talk about this in baseball or if you take away games, you take away potential for stats and total. Like, you ruin the record books. You can't. It's one thing if you give more games because people just see bigger numbers and that's great. But if you see smaller, you can't. You just you can't do that. So it'll it'll never change. We're just gonna have to deal with how long the season goes. Yeah. You know? No, I agree. I mean, there's nothing they're gonna do about it. If anything, we'll probably get more games. No, we don't need any more regular season. season. No, that's that's ridiculous. In a midseason tournament. In the midseason tournament, I will give that give it a shot. 100 NBA games. Even I'm gonna be out. That's just too much. Uh, we do have the final four this weekend and. 
I will credit Nick Berlansky. Burlow over there. You posed a very, very good question that made me think for a minute until I went and saw the paths of all these teams. Which team in the Final Four has had the most improbable run? Now, maybe on the surface you'd say FAU, right? Smaller school, although they were, they're now a 35-win team. Pretty damn good. To me, it's Miami. You had Drake first, fine. But then Indiana, Houston, and Texas. That's the path. That Miami had. San Diego State was Charleston, Furman, Alabama, and Creighton. And then FAU was Memphis, FDU, uh, Tennessee, and then Kansas State. For me, it's got to be Miami. Has to be. Yeah. I mean, they played so many good teams along the way. The two best teams. Yeah. They played Houston and Texas, which in terms of defense and offense, where you talk about like efficiency on both ends of the floor, Mm -hmm. they were some of the most complete teams. And now they have to go to UConn. So if they win the title, they'll have to play Houston, uh, Houston, Texas, Indiana. Uh, they had to play Drake, and they had to play UConn. They're so the only, only one and a half point favorites yeah. against Drake. Yeah, so it, like the only quote unquote soft team they played was Drake, and Drake actually gave them one hell of a fight. They had to go on a fifteen yeah. to one. Run. That's a painful memory for me. I was on yeah. Drake. They well, went on a fifteen to one run though. Just to win that game. Drake scored one point the final six minutes or yeah. seven minutes. What That's was what it? I'm saying about Miami's defense. I, I, so I bet my I bet Miami to win the title. I hedged because I already have UConn. I got them at 9-1 to one, like at the beginning of the tournament. I said, you know what? This Miami team, if, if, if Miami beats UConn, they're winning it all. Like they are. They're well coached. Love Coach L. Plus, I'm rooting for Coach L. Former Mason coach. Got us to the Final Four. That's my, that's my school. So I, there, there's an emotional connection there too. But you're right. Like they're... It's, they're battle-tested. They are, because when you go through Houston and have that game against Texas, just those two alone show you can win against really good teams and go through you know, being the underdog and having, like, there, there's, I'm, I'm almost convincing myself more and more that Miami may win this whole thing now. And UConn, they played some good teams, right? We knew St. Mary's was good, but they're pretty much in a weak uh, conference. Iona, yeah, you're playing against Patino, but like Iona really didn't want any of that smoke 13 seed. Mm-hmm. You play a Gonzaga team, like we talked about this the other day with, uh, I forget who it was, I think it was Jim uh, Jim Root, mm-hmm. who we're going to have on later on in the show. Mm-hmm. But like Gonzaga was a team you looked at and you're like, yeah, this team's kind of garbage. They didn't they play they, defense. They didn't play any defense. They were the number one offense in the country, but literally, I think, 172nd in the country defensively. And you know what UConn did? They beat them to hell. Yeah. They pummeled their face in. And so, like, you look at their path and you're like, yeah, they they beat some really, quote-unquote, good teams. But did they? Like, Arkansas couldn't score. Nick Smith Jr. is a mess. He's not even on the team. He's obviously going to declare for the draft. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's Miami. Yeah, I agree, too. I mean, like, Indiana's even tough because of Trace Jackson yeah. Davis, how good he is. Drake, they were only one-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. I mean, both of their, their opening games, like, getting into the Sweet 16 were pretty much picked. So if you're talking from, like, a gambling standpoint, I think it's a pretty improbable run. And then they have to go through Houston. I thought that that was a lock. Houston at least getting to the Elite Eight. That was one of my bigger bets. And then Texas, I know they were a two-seed, but they look like the best team in the country. And the way that they go down in these games, they're down – 12 points to Texas. Texas is doing whatever they want, throwing alley-oops. They look really good. And then they just all of a sudden fall apart in the second half, and Miami ends up winning, covering, winning that game by seven points. I'd say Miami. I think, like, Florida Atlantic, I just think they kind of took care of business. That was a really good team all year long. Like you said, man, they led the F- they led D1 basketball in wins. I know they're small, but they have a seven-footer in golden. So yeah. 
They're out rebounding all these teams. They even, doubled up Kansas State in rebounds. Yeah, and even when they're not, and, and they beat Tennessee on the glass too. After Tennessee just completely bullied and punked Duke and was the out physical, like out physical them, and they look like the most physical team left. And in let's the tournament. be honest, they're bigger. Their center is bigger than Omier. Yeah, and so He's six nine. And the thing was, like, I was like, okay, if they don't hit their threes, they're probably screwed in this tournament. That's where forty two percent of their possessions come from. And then there's these games where they're one of eleven from three in the first half. They're turning the ball over eight times, and they're still. Only down five. They're winning these rock fights. I like them. Unfortunately, though, for them, I think it comes down to uh, their their season comes to an end. I think San Diego State beats them. My favorite bet this weekend is actually Florida Atlantic team total under. I wanted to make the case for them. I just think this is a bad matchup, man. Like, San Diego State's going to pick them up right at half court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't allow you to full shoot court. the three. Yeah, full court. They don't allow you to shoot the three. They run you off the three-point line. They force you into, like, shooting mid-range jumpers. It three or three and a half. I like Florida Atlantic as far as the point spread, but like a pick, it's two and a half like, right now at BetMGM. Yeah, like as far if we get back to three, I'll take the Owls. Mm-hmm. But I do think uh, San Diego State wins that game. It's, I mean, the only thing that could help Florida Atlantic is just getting really hot from the outside. Yeah, like that's that's the one advantage that they could have. But we saw what happened against Tennessee. They they stayed in that game and they were missing. They were they were yeah. giving them. Two car lengths worth of space. Exactly. And they weren't making anything, but then they were able to turn that around in the second half. The one thing about a school like Florida Atlantic is they have nothing to lose. And when you have that mindset of, like, we're not supposed to be here, that always gives a team confidence, even if you're not playing well. It's like, well, okay, like, so if we lose, no one expects us to. Like, I understand they want to win, but that's the mindset of these underdogs. It's always just, we're having fun because we're not supposed to be here. And that's why they have these situations where, again, the Tennessee game where you're watching them look like, okay, this is it for them. And then all of a sudden, everything turns around. Yeah. No, I agree, man. And then, like, San Diego State, like, a couple of years ago, we thought they could make a deep run. They got, like, screwed by COVID and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, they're the yeah. number one team in the nation. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, but you look at their path, and I'm not saying it's an easy path because they had to beat Alabama, who was the number one overall seed in the entire tournament. But they kind of lucked out. College of Charleston, I thought, was a little overhyped, even though I did party with those guys and they're fun. And then they get <laughs> you learn Furman. their fight song and everything. They get Furman in the second round, and Furman beat Virginia, who was the worst four seed in tournament history, yep. and it took them a buzzer beater to mm-hmm. do so. Then they do beat Alabama, and then they get Alabama Creighton. was a fraud, though. Yeah, we and knew that. Creighton was good. How do you feel yeah. about Brandon Miller? <laughs> yeah, I think Brandon Miller is <laughs> not very good. Future Blazer, Brandon Miller. I'm just, I, I honestly, I'm sealing my fate. And then I'm gonna have to root for him. Yeah, you will. Like, well, you know, his hips are getting a little bit smoother. It'll be, I'll be so great watching you turn that around and seeing the other side. I think it's May May 17th, May 18th lottery. So we'll know Mm -hmm. what's going on, where the Blazers draft and what 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 our fate is. Victor Wembanyama. I hope, but if it's number three, I'll know right then. We're taking Brandon Miller. It's Brandon Miller, a Portland Trailblazer with Shaden Sharp. The Blazers get the number one overall pick too. They deserve it. Dame deserves it. In my opinion. It does. You're right. In my opinion. I, I that that is gonna be one of the most watched draft lotteries in the history of the NBA. Because everybody so? yes. Because everybody wants to see what happens with that. There's been all this hype around Victor Weminyama. It's people want to know who's gonna get the number one overall pick. Is that young jock? I'm trying to figure this out. I can't out. tell. Slim and Husky's pizza? I don't know. It's Ben MGM tonight.